Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. <clears throat> With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Good to see you, Daniel. Dr. Paul, how are you this morning? Struggling. A little rough, yeah. <laughs> but we got to keep it going. <laughs> got to move it along. But, but you know what to do if you get tired of my voice. <laughs> <laughs> no, everyone wants to hear what you so, have to say. Sorry about that. We want to start off by an interesting topic today yeah. because uh, we've reported on a special candidate. He's special to us because he's a friend, <clears throat> and he uh, doesn't call himself a libertarian, but he doesn't know it. He's leaning strongly toward yeah. libertarianism and away from the two parties, and, uh, and that happens to be somebody that uh, questions the uh, lockdowns and the pharmaceuticals and interventionist foreign policy. So he's... Uh, you know, very much on our side on many issues. That's RFK, uh, Robert Kennedy. Yeah. And uh, he's uh, somebody that uh, we visited with. He's been on this program and he's been to our seminars. Yeah. So, uh, uh, now it turns out, uh, and, and I don't think he's fudged this, they were measuring favorability. Yeah. And I was saying, you know, if you just looked at that, I could understand why somebody would feel comfortable. Favorability is sort of like, who would you be most comfortable with? Yeah. Do you think Do you think that people are going to be comfortable in the next four years, if there's another next four years of Biden? Or does anybody ever uh, feel real comfortable with uh, with Trump? Yeah. Uh, but that's one thing is, I, I, uh, you, you know, favorability or comfort. I, I think, uh, uh, you, you know, Robert Kennedy sort of fits that. But he, he rated the highest of Republicans and Democrats. Yeah. That's so interesting uh, to know they ought to take notice uh, of that, uh, the other candidates. And uh, every once in a while, when I was seeing in Congress still and running for the presidency, people would come up and want to know, what's your tricks? What's your trick? How do you do this? How do you raise this money and all that? But, you know, I never shouted it in, his, in their face, but my thoughts were very strongly, well, why don't you pay attention to the way I vote? Maybe that's something that does it. Maybe they ought to pay attention to what he's saying, and that might make a difference. So let's hope that happens. Yeah, it's very interesting. Let's put up this first clip. We saw this on The Hill. This was a poll that was released yesterday. It was conducted by The Economist and YouGov, and here is the headline, RFK Jr. ranks higher in favorability than other major 2024 candidates, according to a poll. Go to the next one. Here are the numbers that are very interesting. The poll from The Economist and YouGov released Wednesday showed Kennedy was viewed favorably by 49% of respondents, <coughs> giving him the highest net favorability rating of 19 points. He was viewed unfavorably by 30%. So net favorability 19. President Biden and former President Trump each had the second highest percentage of respondents viewing them favorably, with 44% saying so. But Biden had a minus 9 net favorability, and Trump had a minus 10 net favorability. And I think that might be a little bit confusing, but I think what it means is that a lot of people like RFK Jr. They view him favorably, and not a lot of people view him negatively. And I think you sort of captured it when you said early on, who would you rather spend time with? Who would you rather spend an afternoon chatting with? Biden? <laughs> mm? Trump? Uh, RFK? He seems like an intelligent person. He seems, if you listen to his speech, and this is not an endorsement, of course, but 
He's so, he's so fluent in all the issues, he, from foreign policy to domestic policy, civil liberties. He's got a handle on everything. He's conversant in everything. I think it's a pretty easy yes. Could it be part of our fault? We haven't invited Biden to our conferences We yet. should, yeah. We can yeah. invite him, yeah. Oh, well, I'd be frightened he might come. <laughs> <laughs> might be some comedy. You know, the one, one uh, a bit of surprise... Uh, but not totally so. Vivek Ramaswamy uh-huh. is on the air a lot. Uh, yeah. Fox, I think, is giving him credibility and some others. But but, but he, he rated it at 26%. For somebody just out of the blue, yeah. I think that is interesting. But if you listen to him, he's a smart person. He has some good ideas. But you know what? He impresses you because he believes in something. Yeah. And uh, he works hard at trying to be consistent. He's not. He has some libertarian views. Yeah. But I, th- I thought this was uh, pretty amazing at this point that yeah. he's ready. So uh, I, th- I predict that he's probably going to do pretty well in the primaries when you uh, exclude the leader. <laughs> yeah. No, he's no dummy and he makes some good points. And as you say, he gets a lot of airtime. And I think <coughs> on the Democrat side, they're trying to give RFK Jr. the least amount of airtime. They don't <laughs> yeah, want right. anyone standing next to Biden. Um, let's go to this next clip. This is a little bit more from that same article. Uh, the results come as Kennedy the nephew of former President Kennedy and the son of former Attorney General Robert F. Kennedy is sparking some concerns among Democrats who are feeding into the notion that they're worried about the primary challenger to Biden. Polls have shown Kennedy with support from about one-fifth of Democratic voters recently, causing him to gain more attention in media coverage. So he comes out of the gate with 20% of the Democrat vote. I think that's just scaring the heck out of Democrats who want everyone just to fall asleep and, and vote for Biden. You know, uh, one other factor in <clears throat> trying to follow this is the fact that the Democrats can't get together on their primary. Yeah. You know, they, uh, Biden doesn't want to go to the first two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, who knows? Most people know exactly the reason, because even if it's worse losing if you're running, yeah. losing if you're not there, that's a bit of an excuse. <laughs> And we remember that last time when Biden struggled early on and it looked like he wasn't going to get it. And lo and behold, he got down to South Carolina and some magic happened and he won. And in fact, that is related to our next story. If you want to put that next one on. Oh, OK, on one thing. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, he also ahead. at the same time locked him. They locked him in the basement. They locked him in the basement. <laughs> and they got rid yeah. Of him. Yeah, yeah, don't say a word. Go ahead. Just sit down there. <laughs> keep your mask on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but here's, a, here's an article from, from Axios that's kind of related to the first one. Biden could lose first two 2024 contests to RFK Jr. Now, when you first look at this, you could think, wow, in a straight vote, he's going to lose to RFK Jr. And while that's possible, certainly part of it is what you alluded to, Dr. Paul, which is there's a lot of shenanigans going on. If we could put that next one on about where the first state will be. It's always traditionally been uh, New Hampshire and Iowa. That's been the how it's always been. But Biden doesn't want to do that anymore. His excuse, Dr. Paul, is that those states are just too darn white. We need some more diversity. Whereas some people that might be a little bit more savvy or perhaps cynical would say he hasn't done very well in those states and he may actually lose them. But as you were saying, he may just simply not compete. If, if Iowa and New Hampshire say we're going to hold our primaries anyway, he may take his name off the ballot and thus lose by default. You know, when they talk about diversity, I'm all for it because I think the most... Uh, diversity comes from libertarianism yeah. because you go down to the individual rather than a contest between the uh, special interests <clears throat> but this uh 
primary sort of reminds me of what was going on in 68 over a war issue and uh, Johnson was president and it didn't do well in the primary yeah. up there. I don't think it's going to happen to uh, to Biden, it might be a little bit late, but maybe not, you know. Uh, but Johnson, I, and I remember this so clearly because I was, I had the TV on and the listening because uh, the primary was ending, but I remember the announcement so clearly when, when Johnson decided, I've decided not to run, yeah. when it was Eugene, uh, Eugene, McCarthy, McCarthy yeah. you know, did did well, and uh, so who who knows what will come of this? Yeah. So uh, if uh, even whether he's if he's not there, that'll be an excuse. If he is there the next time, it's the same thing happens. He and and besides, uh, they they might have to consider something. Maybe he maybe he'll be talked into resigning and uh, or, or not running. But then they but now <laughs> there's news out there on the liberal station. They, they really want Kamala Harris. Oh, good I don't know that. how they could even say that. Why wouldn't that invite it? You know, the other thing I found interesting is after after Trump, you know, started making a point, well, uh, yeah, they're going to indict me and they're going to do all this. Uh, we'll have a rally that night and we're going to raise some money, yeah. a couple million bucks. So he, he did, did that. And, uh, and I think it was Pelosi and somebody else were advising you know what? Let's stay silent. Let's yeah. not to jump on this. Let's lay off. I think they're sort of catching hold, but they're helping them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you know what? What happens if it turns out that the Republicans have a spy in their camp <laughs> <laughs> distorting their policy? Yeah. <laughs> that could be. Well, as RFK you know, moves along, he's going to get, he's demonized as an anti-vaxxer, <coughs> which is not the case, in fact, if you look at anything he says about <coughs> vaccines. He's actually pro-normal vaxes. He questions <coughs> some things about them in terms of the schedule, but you know, they're going to demonize him. He's a kook, he's a radical, he's this and that and the other. But you know, a lot of people in our circles, libertarians, uh, people who I think are sound on foreign policy, and I think I mentioned on this program that I listen to the Duran as often as possible. I think the two gentlemen who do that show are extremely astute in world affairs. And they had Jeffrey Sachs on, I think, yesterday. And you spoke with Jeffrey Sachs at Bumper at Jacob Hornberger's conference on JFK. And that was a great conference. But they had Sachs on, and he was recalling uh, some of JFK's his famous peace speech and some of the other speeches. And he was saying that RFK really is in that vein. He really is a peacemaker. He really goes down that line, the JFK line. And I thought it was really a fascinating discussion. You know, um, it's not complex, and it should be, you know, when I blurted out, uh, because I believed it, uh, and people remembered it, freedom is popular. Yeah. Freedom. But peace is popular, yes. too. Peace is popular, and that's a good rallying cry for a, for a candidate. Make it simple. Yeah. Clear cut and have people believe you. And you have to wonder if some of these early numbers like this and the possibility of losing those first two have driven... Uh, the decision to not have a debate on the Democrat side. And obviously when you are the incumbent, you're not super keen on stepping up on the stage and possibly getting beaten up, so that's understandable. But interestingly enough, if you can put on that next clip, um, the Democrats aren't happy about this, the voters aren't happy about this. 80% of Democrats think Biden should debate RFK Jr., including 72% of those who support the president, even though he's insisted he won't face primary rivals. And this is from the Daily Mail just a couple of days ago. They took a poll that says the vast majority, eight in 10 Democrats, think that Biden 
should take on RFK in a, um, in a debate. I don't think that's going to happen, Dr. Paul. I don't know how you feel. Well, I do because, uh, y you know, things are bad. Freedom of speech, the First Amendment, it's a mess. And w both sides are complaining about it. But it's not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, it is still, <clears throat> he can't hide. He, he, he can run, but he's not going to be able to hide. So we'll see what happens. Last time it was easy to get the whole media, you know, controlling and protecting him. Yeah. And they're still doing it but I think I think the people are catching up uh, and, uh, and and just disgusted with uh, you know the imbalance between how Hillary and Biden's are you know uh, taken care of uh, by the FBI and the legal system versus what's going on with with Trump yeah. and, and the whole thing is is uh, they they uh, they want to say well if Trump is doing something dumb therefore they want to just take it away from, uh, you know, how dumb they are, yeah. how they're prosecuting him. Because, but I think there's a lot of people saying, now, this does not sound good. Uh, you know, the issue, the issue of uh, a president, uh, you know, trying to punish <laughs> the guy running against yeah. him. Why shouldn't that be an automatic? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, that uh, there's something fishy there. Something fishy going <laughs> on. Well, I do want to make a mention of our sponsor today, and our sponsor today is TacRite, and they're out there with an incredible mini chainsaw that they're offering to Ron Paul Liberty Report viewers at 50% off. It's a handheld chainsaw. It's totally mind-blowing. It makes trimming it easier and two times faster. It really is the easiest chainsaw you can ever operate. Now, thousands of Americans bought this mini chainsaw at full retail price, but our viewers, Liberty Report viewers, will be able to get 50% off from TacRite. So you can get 50% off and free shipping if you visit TacRightRon.com. I'll put the link in here today, and the orders will ship within one business day from the TacRight warehouse in New York. TacRightRon.com. Get that big bad boy in your hands and chop some trees down. Uh, let's move to the next one, Dr. Paul, and this is from a good friend of ours, uh, Ted Carpenter. As you know, he was drummed out of the Cato Institute because he's actually anti-war. You're not allowed to do that. Um, but he did a great piece on sanctions. Were they waiting for him to get more experience before they'll keep, keep him on? <laughs> yeah. How many years? 37 years, some like 10 or 12 books he's written. I, they must have had a real sense of loyalty, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. Especially since uh, we can be assured that uh, he was pretty consistent over all those years. Well, their loss is our gain because he's now able to speak a lot more freely. He's writing for anti-war. He's writing for a Libertarian Institute. He's really a lot more hard-hitting, and that's no, understandable. It's, it's good. Uh, yeah. but they tried to punish him. Yeah, they did. They're, they're, therefore, they're helping us. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, uh, so let's put up that first clip then and, and, and just look at this. Uh, this is just the uh, Washington's never-ending love affair with sanctions. And uh, he points out uh, how sanctions have been ineffective. And I think you've got a couple of comments on, on the piece. Yes, and I've been talking about sanctions for a long time because I think they backfire. I think they hurt the little people and the average person. It destroys free trade. It's usually people think it could lead to war. No, I say it is war. If anybody would put sanctions, they're like blockades, and if they're going to interfere with our imports, uh, we would be furious. And uh, yeah, we're in the driver's seat. And to be in the driver's seat, it's, uh, it works better when you have control of the, of the uh, world's biggest military and you have control of the reserve currency of the world. Then sanctions are, are uh, you, know, you know, possible. But then also for them to do it, uh, 
uh, that that company country that throws their weight around and does it they have they have to have a lot of say in the international organization and because we're the big financers of that we do have something to say and this is why we, we do, do, do have have this to say and this is why I think it breeds a bad bad feeling between nations and uh, and yet it's nothing new what we're saying uh, because it's been old uh, it's old history economic history that free trade is very very beneficial I mean hundreds of years or more that trade will trade always is a natural thing trade, yeah. trade is a natural thing when people are left alone and governments are minimal people trade you know even under the worst of circumstances so that's uh, that to me is is bad but uh, I think and uh, and I think Ted Put, does a good effort in his closing paragraph. He, he summarizes how it backfires on yeah. people, how it's not a good policy, and uh, we shouldn't engage in it. Yeah, and he makes the good point that 30 years ago, I think it was, and he mentions the book, Economic Sanctions Reconsidered. 30 years ago, <laughs> it was completely proven in this book how sanctions are ineffectual, counterproductive. He makes the point that they are actually cruel uh, and painful to people who are they're supposedly helping. But then he goes down in this article and talks about Cuba, Venezuela, North Korea, Iran, China. All of these have had sanctions, some of them for decades. I think he said Cuba for 60 years, of course, has had sanctions. It hasn't done anything. It hasn't had the desired effect. It doesn't do anything positive. Uh, and in fact, you know, the latest one is, is Russia. There's been various sanctions on Russia. But when the special military operation began last year, they thought this is going to be a KO punch. We are going to KO. Remember what Biden said. We're going to turn the ruble into rubble. <laughs> and then the ruble became the strongest currency in the world after that. And, of course, there has been some effects on the Russian economy. It's not, it wasn't as easy at first to sell their gas and their products. But they've had workarounds and they've done it. And, in fact, I think they're in better shape than Germany. Uh, I think the German... Um, uh, industry industry minister just said next year the, our factories are going to have to shut down because we don't have any gas. So um, it's it's almost become a, a a joke in a way, Dr. Paul, that sanctions, so many rounds of sanctions on Russia haven't brought it to its knees. And in fact, if we can have a little bit of a humor break, um, the folks over at RT made a pretty funny video. Now they use deep fakes and AI. These aren't the real people, but they use that to kind of troll the idea that sanctions are so great. And the, the whole, well, you'll see the joke if we play this. It's just a funny one minute clip. No, 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 that's bull, that's nonsense. We need some fresh ideas. Better, stronger, and effective. International. 
<laughs> so that's making the rounds. That's uh, that's uh, going viral on Twitter and stuff. It's just a funny way of making fun of the fact that they're just desperate to find sanctions that they yeah, don't yeah, work. Well, I think humor and sometimes ridicule goes a long way uh, to get the point across. But you know, it is so often <clears throat> we have said the people in, in the libertarian movement, free free uh, trade. Uh, argue the case that there's much better relationships. The founders believed that principle, and that's why they tried to institutionalize that. But even back then, they thought about it. And uh, and I can think about what uh, the decade that was so vivid in my mind, and I'm trying to understand what was going on in the world because I was drafted uh, in the '60s, and uh, and the war was raging. The war, the Vietnam War, ended. And uh, tragedy, I think it was 58,000. I say 60 because they never counted the uh, people who never came back. Yeah. 60,000 American soldiers killed. And, and we, we lost. They talk now about leaving uh, Afghanistan in a mess. And I agree with them. Yeah. But they shouldn't forget about how we left and what we lost. Uh, they talk more about losing weapons, leaving weapons behind in, in, uh, in Afghanistan. And I, I think about the people we left behind. Not only the Americans that died, but the, about the uh, Vietnamese as well. But we lost, we left, we were humiliated. But guess what? We had, there was an introduction of some American principles, and there was peace. And I often say, all those wars with the French and the Americans telling the Vietnamese how to live, you know, never did very much, if nothing, maybe did more harm. And uh, just think of what was accomplished in a, in a world of peace and trade. Yeah. And, you know, and it didn't take long for that for that to happen. And uh, that and, and you compare it to the end of the Korean War. Okay, we'll we'll divide it in half, and they'll live peacefully ever after. And there's nothing more than been contention and no free trade between the countries, the the the, the parts of uh, Korea. So that that people should really argue. It's the basic principle of a marketplace. It's your stuff. And you should have volunteerism, how you get rid of it. And, you know, I heard a discussion not too long ago of why. Well, this, it was, he wanted to be reasonable and saying, well, there is too much, too much waste and fraud and we have to do this. But he never mentioned once and because people were abusing it and they were stealing. But they never mentioned the fact that in order to get the welfare system, you have to steal it from the people yeah. who produce. And whether it's done that way or whether it's managed international with uh, with regulations and, and sanctions. And uh, I think I think it's gonna change because I think we're weakening. A superpower can get away with this. But uh, there's a time when, uh, you know, they're getting around our sanctions. Russia doesn't seem to have suffered quite as much as we thought they would. Yeah. We thought they'd be crawling to us to beg, uh, to get off our back, but they, that didn't happen. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's finish up, uh, if you're ready, with a, a, an interesting, this is kind of a follow-up to what we talked about yesterday. We talked about Adam Schiff. We know he lied for years and years when he said, hey, I'm the chairman of the <coughs> Intel Committee and I know lots of stuff about Trump and Putin. I can't tell you, but wink, wink, it's a really bad stuff. Turns out he was just blowing smoke. Um, so now the House, which is controlled by the GOP, as we mentioned yesterday, wants to pass a motion of censure. And they did, in fact, uh, put up a motion of censure against him. Uh, if we go to the next one, 
Uh, so the big controversy is that Thomas Massey said he's going to vote against it. And it infuriated a lot of people who were furious with Adam Schiff. And of course, we don't, are not big fans of Adam Schiff. But uh, yesterday after we finished the show, I went and looked and I saw that Mr. Massey uh, put out a couple tweets trying to explain his view. And he said, Adam Schiff acted unethically. But if a resolution to fine him $16 million comes to the floor, I will vote to table it, which means voting against it. In fact, I'm still litigating a federal lawsuit against Pelosi over a salary reduction she imposed <coughs> on me for my refusal to wear a mask. And the next one, if you can go to it, he, co he continues by saying, the Constitution says the House may make its own rules, but we can't violate other later provisions of the Constitution. A $16 million fine is a violation of the 27th in the Eighth Amendments. Can, can you imagine what it would be like if this got out of control? <laughs> <laughs> so the Speaker comes in each morning, okay, A, B, C, D, we have 10 people that just got fined and this is what you have to pay. Yeah. Oh, I'm not going to write you a check. I would just deduct it from your pay. Yeah. It's not a very good precedent <laughs> to, yeah. to set. And uh, this, this, uh, this whole thing, that was my first question when, when you, you, I remember you said discovered it. Yeah. I said, I said, you know, I, have, I don't think I've ever heard of that, especially when I was there. Uh, I said, I'll think that through, but it didn't take too long for me to realize that was a, that, that's not a solving any problems. Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's opening up the door to more chaos. It <laughs> seems it seemed weird, and um, one of the commenters under you know, and, and Massey's getting trashed by people because they're just full of emotion. They don't understand that he he votes with the Constitution, whether his heart is in favor of censuring uh, uh, or not, Adam Schiff. Someone else put this up. I don't know if, this, if you think this is relevant, Dr. Paul, but someone uh, pointed out that he <coughs> believes this is almost like a bill of attainder. If you can put that next clip up, uh, and this is from Cornell Law School. A bill of attainder is a piece of legislation that declares a party guilty of a crime. Bills of attainder allow the government to punish a party for a perceived crime without going through the trial process. So this other person claims that you know, it's the legislative branch acting as the judicial branch and, and you know, convicting him of crime and giving him a, fa and, a fine for it. And the bill of attainder is usually targeting a person yeah. for a political reason. Yeah. And that's what that is. So they're a very bad precedent. But uh, it's great to have uh, uh, Thomas speaking back to them because he's going to do it in a dignified and an intellectual manner. And he's going to defend the principles of liberty while doing so. Yeah. And so I think, you know, the people that... Uh, or hypercritical of him, uh, and there are a lot of them. They, they acted on emotion. I think he's taking a big hit, but I think I think our verdict is going to be he voted the right way. Yeah, there you, you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to before we close talk about our sponsor for this month, and of course it's fourpatriots.com. Uh, they've been our sponsor for a few months, uh, and they've uh, they've written to me about a tree that hit a power line in Ohio in 2003, which shut down 21 power plants. About 100 people died. They're pointing out that we have a power grid that was designed in the 1800s. Even the White House sees we've got problems. They're saying two-thirds of the grid are at least 25 years old. They recently announced billions of dollars to update it. And how long will it take to actually do that? <laughs> well, you never know. And that's why having your own solar power generator is more important than ever. We've been talking about the Patriot power generator for a while. With this generator, you get a solar generator that doesn't install in your house because it's portable. You take it with you. You can even use it inside your house, but it's power enough, powerful enough for your phones, medical devices, and even your fridge. The good news is you can go to 4Patriots.com right now and use the code RON to get 10% off of your first purchase of anything in the store, including this big bad boy. 
the Patriot Power Generator. You'll get their famous guarantees for an entire year after your order, plus free shipping on all orders over $97. And a portion of every sale is donated to charities who support our veterans and their families. So go to fourpatriots.com and use Ron to get your discount. I will include a link in the bottom. And I'm gonna finally <coughs> close Dr. Paul with a reminder once again, if we can put on that last clip. You guys, you're enjoying your summer, you're sitting by the beach. You know, the last thing you wanna think of is going to a seminar. Come on, this is gonna be a lot of fun. It's always a lot of fun. <coughs> the RPI 2023 <coughs> Warren Paul Scholar Seminar. It's a full day of listening to professors and professors of practice talking about foreign policy, foreign affairs, civil liberties. It occurs the day before our September 2nd conference in DC. Everyone accepted the scholars program will be also going to the conference. We have scholarships available to offset your costs in attending this. So go to ronpaulinstitute.org, click on that article, check it out and see if it's right for you and apply as soon as you can. Dr. Paul, over to you. Very good. <clears throat> you know, I, I saw that some of the Democratic leaders now are advising, lay off Trump, don't, <laughs> don't keep bugging him about his indictment. And I thought, well, how, how are they gonna do that? They never leave people alone. The only thing I can figure is not helping them. <laughs> That's the only reason that they might not do it. So, and, and, and that it could, it could be the case, but they're gonna, they're going, uh, that's not really gonna happen because they will be bugging them and the, and the fighting is gonna go home because they, uh, because the, they, they think they think by now, oh, those Republicans have a little bit of control now. They might fight back. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I thought that was a sort of sort of amazing that they're saying, okay, lay off Trump. Don't don't bug him. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, I, I think that we're going to hear a lot more about the election for sure in this next year, and and uh, ho hopefully people will concentrate on those individuals who are defending truthfully the Constitution. I keep thinking about how many lies are told in Washington. Washington and lies should be punished. There'd be nobody there because because uh, if you look at it, if you are doing it technically, and this is this is not practical uh, technically to expect people to obey the oath of office. You know, everybody takes the oath of office. I owe swear to obey the Constitution. And there, it must be 98% of everything that gets passed there technically doesn't fit the mold of the Constitution. But that is not thought of as long as it's fair and as long as it's diverse and uh, we're spreading the wealth out evenly and we satisfy all our special interests, I guess we'll just limp along. But there is a different way of doing it, and that is concentrating on peace and prosperity, which we do here. And I think the whole world would be better off if we could do that. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.